be seated. Well, we are in our second week of the season of Lent, which is the 40 days leading up until Easter. Uh, And during the season of Lent, there are times that people will give something up or take something on as a reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made um, and the ways uh, of Jesus's journey from his life, death, and ultimately his resurrection. And during our sermon series, we're talking about some of these stories of Jesus, the ways that that Jesus uh, lived and taught and did ministry, because he certainly does quite a bit during his life and during his ministry. And he also, in addition to the work that he does, in part of what happens is he makes people angry uh, by the way that he heals, by the way that he loves and forgives and challenges systems of power. And you don't challenge that many systems without a response, which ultimately is Jesus' death. So during Lent, we're looking at these stories together and what they mean for our faith and for our life together. So this morning, Jesus casting out demons. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there are certainly plenty of stories throughout the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus getting himself into trouble. There are a lot of people who are calling for his death at any given time throughout these scriptures. Um, John all but calls Jesus the Messiah at his baptism. He doesn't use the word, but he tells everything about him. And uh, right after Jesus is baptized, he's sent out into the wilderness where Satan tempts him in the wilderness um, and, and says, offers to th- have him throw himself off the highest peak because, of course, he'll be saved. When Jesus preaches his first sermon, um, after he's finished his, in his hometown, his neighbors and the people he grew up with want to throw him off of a cliff. I mean, I don't think it was that bad, but... Uh, so uh, Jesus does a lot of things that, um, that I would think that at some point those who are following him or some of his friends might, go to, uh, might pull him aside and say, hey, can you calm things down a little bit? Um, or try and convince him maybe not to say some of the things that he was saying. Maybe, maybe let's not go into town today. Maybe let's just go fishing. Like, let's not, let's not make anybody else angry. But that's not necessarily Jesus' call, and that's not who he is. So we have this story for today, which comes from the Gospel of Mark. Um, And Mark was probably the first gospel that was written. Uh, It was written um, uh, very quickly. So sometimes in the Gospel of Mark, you'll see a lot of times that there's immediately or right away. Uh, And that was uh, how they understood how time was going to pass. Uh, and when Jesus would be coming back would be immediately. So there's a lot of quick, quick things that happen throughout the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest gospel as well for some of that same reason. It was tr- written um, to get the story out. And uh, it was written probably to a Roman or a Gentile audience, uh, but it was certainly disseminated and given to, to many other people. But the story for today, um, we have Jesus going across the lake and, and dealing with the demoniac. And Mark's code for entering gentle, Gentile territory is they went across the lake. 
Now, another clue that they're in Gentile territory and not Jewish territory um, is later in the story when they encounter the pigs, um, because pigs are unclean animals. Uh, so the, the Jewish community didn't, uh, didn't eat pigs, didn't have pigs around because they were unclean. And they're in the town of Gerasene. Now, one of the things that I think is important about this story that Mark tells uh, is that um, Jesus isn't just going to the Jewish people or to the temples, but he's going to everywhere, to all the people. The Messiah isn't the, sa- isn't the savior just for a particular group of people, but the Messiah is the savior for everyone, not just one religious group, but everyone. And so it, Mark tells us that they enter there and they go to the cemetery, but there's no explanation given why Jesus is in the cemetery. Why would Jesus find himself in a Gentile cemetery? I'm really not sure, but I think it's interesting that that's where he goes first. And there, he finds someone, or maybe someone finds him. And this man who is there in the cemetery has been banished there by the townspeople because in some ways they've given up on him. They've chained him and shackled him in the cemetery. This man who was their friend, their neighbor, and probably even their child, they cast him out and decided that they couldn't do anything more for him, and they chained him up in the cemetery and left him there for dead. So they took this human, this man, and they treated him worse than an animal. Now, throughout the scriptures, um, and the understanding of that time was that any number, of, any number of ailments was attributed to demon possession. Any number of ailments um, was also considered to be a sin because of you or your parents. So if you were sick, it was probably something that you did and, and God or a God was punishing you. Um, or perhaps you're just possessed by a demon. And so what was wrong with this man is really unclear. Perhaps he had mental illness. Perhaps it was a physical illness. Perhaps he was possessed by a demon or by many demons. Now, in hearing that, some of you may be thinking, "Mm, I'm not really sure that I'm into the whole demon possession thing. Um, I've seen movies about it, like The Exorcist. And I think that we do have a lot of skepticism, especially in the United States, around demon possession or anything really supernatural when you're talking about demons or angels or even even just talking about God. We have a certain level of skepticism, and some people believe it and some people don't. And there are some Christian traditions that practice uh, exorcisms as a part of their worship service, and so that's what we're going to do today. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So there are some Christian traditions that do practice exorcisms as a part of their worship service. In the United Methodist Church, that's not necessarily what we practice in the United States. But in the Methodist Church around the world, um, there's a different understanding. So if you're feeling skeptical this morning about demon possession, it's okay. Um, I think that even if we take what if it was mental illness or physical illness or demon possession, there's clear that there's something wrong with this man in the story. 
And whatever it was that was wrong with him has excluded him from society. And it's made all of the people around him treat him as less than human. And then Jesus comes along. And the man says to Jesus, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, as a side note to just that little phrase, um, Mark's gospel is extremely political. Now, you may not catch that as we read it in English and as we read it in today's context, but Mark's gospel is very political. And so this statement, Jesus, son of the most high God, isn't just a statement about who Jesus is, but it's also about who isn't the son of God. And in Rome, Caesar was considered to be the Lord or to be the Son of God. And to say that anyone else was, well, that was an act of treason, punishable by death. What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And so then Jesus, after conversation with this man, cast the demons into the pigs And they run off the cliff and they drown. One of the early Christian bishops um, said that this story was was about how Christians should not take care of animals because clearly they just run off the cliff. That is not the point of this story at all. Um, I also was talking to a friend of mine um, and uh, we were talking about what we had given up for Lent. And she said, I thought about giving up bacon for Lent, but I thought Jesus would be sad about that. Um, And I was like, well, I mean, Jesus was Jewish and he didn't eat bacon, but you can give up bacon. That's totally fine. Um, So this story about the pigs is also not about bacon. Um, It's actually not even really about the pigs at all. I think that that helps to show us where we are, but I think this story isn't about the animals, but it's about the human relationships, Because after the pigs run off the cliff, the swine herds run back into town and they tell everyone what's happened. And the whole town comes to see Legion, this man in his right mind, clothed and sitting by the fire. And I think in that moment, they're confronted with what they've done to him. This man that they cast out as less than human. This man that they chained up in the cemetery to die, sitting there looking at them. I can just imagine the guilt and the shame that they might feel. It can be sometimes really hard to remember the humanity of others when they act out or when they do things that are confusing or hurtful to us. How do we treat them? Do we cast them out? Do we treat them as less than human? It's very easy to ignore the humanity of others, especially when they don't meet our standards, whatever those standards might be. It's easy to treat them as less than human. And then what happens when we're faced with them and with their humanity? How do we treat someone today as less than human? I spent a lot of time this week looking at the ways that we dehumanize one another, and it is depressing, and not just depressing, it's oppressing, to, to look at some of the ways that we dehumanize one another, and it's unfortunately not very difficult to find examples. There's a whole category in Netflix. Um, it's called true crime. 
There's a lot of ways that we dehumanize one another by ignoring individual sacred worth through abuse, through racism, through sexism, through classism, through generalizations, name-calling. I think these are the demons that need exercising from our lives. What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And even those categories of dehumanization that we talk about, racism or sexism or classism, those are really big. All of those isms are terrible. I think that we all can agree to that. But I don't think we always agree what that means. And do we always see them in ourselves? Do we see the ways that we might be prejudiced or that we might be uh, acting in ways that are dehumanizing? And so maybe it's looking smaller. When was the last time you had a judgmental thought about someone's appearance? When was the last time you called someone out of their name? Now, when was the last time you called someone out of their name in your head? When was the last time that you looked at someone and said and thought something other than, wow, that's an individual of sacred worth? There are many ways that we dehumanize one another, take away someone's dignity. We don't have to dehumanize each other just in big ways, but in small ways. And so these townspeople come back to see their friend. Well, he was their friend at one point, back in his right mind. And and when you see something like that, you would want to celebrate, like, wow, this is great. This is how he should be. This is how we should be. Let's have a party. But that's not what these people do. In fact, when they come back and they see what's happened, they tell Jesus, you need to get out of here. You need to leave right now. And they beg him to get out of their town because he's disrupted their lives and some of their economy as well, and force them to look at their own lives and their own demons. And that's not always a welcome reception. And then Legion says to Jesus, I'm ready to go with you. I'm ready to follow. So where you go, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I'm ready to go. Which completely and totally makes sense. Jesus has clearly changed this man's life. In fact, just by the simple question that Jesus first asked him, what's your name? He doesn't look at him as his illness or his ailments, but rather asks, who are you? And who are you really? And so, of course, this man would want to follow him and would want to be with him and not with the people who have shackled him in the cemetery. But Jesus' response was, no, you need to stay here. Stay here with the people who left you for dead. Stay here with the people who shackled you in the cemetery. Stay here with the people who didn't acknowledge you as a human. And I think that that seems a little insensitive of Jesus and maybe a little cruel. And so it makes me wonder, what's Jesus' purpose? Is what Jesus' goal by doing this? And I think part of what Jesus is, is, comes as the Messiah, as the Savior to do, is to repair broken relationships. 
And so it's not to stay here to be reminded of what happened, but stay here and work things out. You've hurt each other. Now fix it. Jesus isn't just about fixing the surface problems, but going deep and repairing relationships. Jesus came in his full humanity to lead us into our full humanity. And so what happened? Well, Mark says, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. The end. Um, And it would be nice, it would be interesting if that was the end, that everyone went and they were amazed. But in Matthew's gospel, there are two feedings and two miraculous feedings that happen in Jesus in, in Matthew's gospel. Um, one is the feeding of the 5,000, and one is the feeding of the 4,000. And one of those feedings happens in Gentile territory. So I think that Legion's story was heard, not just by the people in the Decapolis, but word seemed to spread Enough that people came to listen to Jesus later. And I think not just in hearing the story, I think that relationships were repaired. Because that's what Jesus does. And that's who Jesus is. So when you think about your life or your story, who are the people that you need to recognize as humans? Who do you need to be recognized by as a human? Are there relationships that you have to be repaired? The example of Jesus shows us how it can be done to embrace your humanity. What's your name? Who are you? Let's start from there. So if you're looking for a challenge this week, maybe a Lenten challenge or just a challenge in general, find someone to love. And that shouldn't be very difficult because there are people all around who need love. But maybe make it a little bit more difficult. Maybe find someone who you disagree with and find ways to love them. Or maybe it's someone that you've hurt. Maybe it's a stranger who's having a bad day. Finding someone to love isn't that hard. Sometimes it's showing the love that's hard. And if we do better about embracing one another, we realize just how connected we are to each other and that our humanity is bound up in one another. When one of us is dehumanized, it affects all of our humanity. When one of us is treated as something other than an individual of sacred worth, as a child of God, it affects all of us because we belong to each other. We're bound up in one another. And we're better together. Maybe this week the question is as simple as asking someone, what's your name? Who are you? because I care about you, just as Jesus cares about me. Jesus, what have you to do with me, son of the most high God? 
you have been called and claimed by God to follow Jesus Christ. So may you go and follow him. Amen.